Good morning, friends. A reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 to 18. Do not be yoked with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can be or what fellowship can light have with darkness what harmony is there between Christ and Belial what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever what what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols for we are the temple we are the temple of the living God as God has said I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Amen. Thank you, Bob. Father, we thank you for the word that uh, Dean is about to bring us this morning. And I just pray that once again you will challenge our hearts and our minds as we listen to what he brings. Father, just pray for Dean that you would just fill him afresh. Fill him with your Holy Spirit. Lord, just uh, <clears throat> help him as he delivers this word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. This is the fifth sermon on a series of faith in the workplace. I might just pause after this five sermons on what's faith got to do with our workplaces and the work that we've been given to do. As I've said in my previous sermons, by work I'm ta talking about a broad view of that word. The activities, um, the activities and work that God has given each of us to do. And some of that will be in paid employment, whilst others will be voluntary, voluntary work or work in supporting, taking care of those around us. I've also said that God has given each one of us work to do. And that does not finish when we reach retirement or start when we leave school and college. 
You know, God is busy in our lives. He's got work for us to do. God is busy. We need to have our eyes and ears open to the calling that he has given to each of us in bringing in God's kingdom to earth as it already is in heaven. And so today's sermon, it sounds pretty tough, that scripture. Today's sermon looks at the tension between living the way of Christ and living in a non-Christian world and non-Christian workplaces. And in preparing this sermon, I've been using extensively the resources found in thetheologyofwork.org and their co-chair, Andy Mills. And this is really quite a good resource, and I've used some of them, his sort of template in terms of the talks that I've been given, although I've added a couple in myself. But it is a really, the theology of work is a really quite a good resource of faith in the workplace. So you might want to have a little bit of a visit there. I have, um, you have, there are copies of my notes, which are at the back outside, um, on the table outside the, uh, the church here. And uh, I think the home group leaders, I've sent electronic versions as well. So there'll be questions for this week's home groups. Okay. So in this passage, Paul takes up the question of being mismatched or literally unequally yoked with non-Christians. And this has implications for both marriage, which is outside the scope of this talk this morning, and our working relationships. And in his letter to the Corinthians, Paul has vividly portrayed the importance of good relations with people with whom we live and work. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 that we should work with non-Christians. And he discusses how to do that in the first letter of the Christians. In Corinthians, sorry. Now, one of the things, the key message I don't want to get across today is that the Lord is saying, don't work with non-Christians, because that would be wrong. So I just really want to kind of get that out there, okay? That is not what my talk is about. But it is about the tensions, okay, and being unequally yoked with unbelievers. So that's really important. I don't want to say, right, I'm leaving work. I can't work with those pesky non-Christians. No, God is not saying that at all. So here, Paul cautions us about working arrangements with non-believers. And he makes reference to Deuteronomy 22.10, which warns against plowing with an ox and a donkey yoked together. And I'm just going to ask Josh to show the first image, and I think it becomes a little bit clearer when we show this. It's the next one. Okay, they are, the ox and the donkey are unequally yoked. And that's really what Paul is, th- is referring to. That's not a great working relationship. <laughs> that's not kind of really going to work. Why is that? Well, because the donkey would struggle to pull the ox's load. And the ox could not go at a faster donkey's pace. So they are unequally yoked. Now in 2 Corinthians, Paul seems to be talking about a deeper spiritual reality here. And he advises God's people to be wary of working with people who serve lawlessness, darkness, idol worship, and Satan himself. 
while we're clearly called to love, serve, and work with unbelievers, Paul is not saying Paul is not to Paul says not to be unequally yoked with them. And I say that's the kind of the tension there. So what does it mean to be unequally yoked? And the answer lies in the contrast between being yoked with Jesus, who says, "Take my yoke upon you," which he says in Matthew eleven twenty nine. Because one part of the yoke is around us, and the other is on Jesus' shoulder. And that will be on the next image, please. So one part of the yoke is around us, and the other is around Jesus. Take my yoke upon you. That's what he says to us. Now Jesus is like the lead ox in a team. And he determines our bearing, our pace, and path, and we submit to his leadership. And through his yoke, we feel his pull, his guidance, and his direction. By his yoke, he trains us to work effectively in his team. His yoke is what leads us, it sensitizes us, and binds us to him. And being yoked to Jesus makes us partners with him in restoring God's creation in every sphere of life. Now, no other yoke that would pull us away from the yoke of Jesus could ever match that. And this is what really the, the sermon's about. You know, we, we're called to be yoked with Jesus and be led by him. Come back to that passage of Matthew. My yoke is easy, Jesus says, and my burden is light. Do you believe that? Do you think Jesus' yoke is easy? Is his burden light? Personally, I think this scripture can feel quite challenging. And being a follower of Jesus doesn't always seem light to me. I don't know about you. But I think this is because I'm seeing things wrongly. I don't think Jesus is dumping work, uh, dumping upon us heavy loads most of the time. We sometimes think that, but I don't think he is. I think he's trying to do the complete opposite. It's like, Dean, what are you doing there? You know, why are you carrying that? Let me help you take that off. I really need to listen to these words. You know, when I preach to you, I really have to take these stuff in myself. Because this is a real challenge for me, personally. It is a really big challenge. Because I do feel like I need to hear those. You know, what are you doing, Dean? Why are you carrying that? Let me help you with that. And the things that I need, to, need you to carry, Jesus is saying, let me help you with that. Let us carry that together. And in a way, I think that's what that image is about.
Why are we carrying that? I didn't ask you, I'm a story of mine, I didn't ask you to pick that up. Why are you picking that up for? This is what I want you to carry. And let me help you with that. Let us carry it together. The world is trying to put heavy burdens on it, you and me, especially in terms of what makes a perfect life, which can often be related to wealth, successful families and careers, buying certain products and services, which would apparently enhance our lives. It could be the burden of keeping up the, with the Joneses and the Khans. Jesus, on the other hand, comes to bring life. He brings life and love and joy and peace and patience. He brings kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And from my personal experience, I don't think I'm getting any of that in a worldly life. I think the only way I am going to grow in these fruits of the Spirit is by, by being yoked with Jesus. So when Paul tells us not to be unequally yoked in our working relationships, He's warning us not to get entangled with work commitments that prevent us from doing the work that Jesus has given us to do. And so this can have quite a strong ethical element. What partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness, Paul asks. If the dictates of a work commitment leads us to harm customers, deceive people, mislead employees, abuse co-workers, perhaps pollute the environment, then we have been yoked into violation of our duties as stewards of God's kingdom. Furthermore, being yoked with Jesus leads us to lead to, sorry, leads us to work to reconcile and renew the world in light of God's promise of his kingdom come. So to be unequally yoked with unbelievers then is to be in a situation or relationship that binds us to the decisions and actions of people who may have very different values and purposes than, than those of ourselves and those with Jesus. We would probably, therefore, should do all we can to avoid such working practices if they force us to act against our belief, our beliefs. But short of that, many of the motivations and values and working methods of our, um, methods of our supervisors and colleagues in most work, workplaces may not be compatible with our beliefs as Christians. And the environment and beliefs of those we work with may have an actual negative influence on our own faith and our experience of the Christian life. Nevertheless, most of us work among unbelievers, which we have noted Paul assumes to be the normal situation for Christians. 
So how are we to apply this situation of being unequally yoked? As I say, Paul is not saying don't work with non-unbelievers. In fact, he, he says that we should be light and salt in those situations. Okay, so let's look at um, an example at work. Employment is agreement in which you and, you and I will do work for agreed return in terms of pay and wages. To the extent that we are able to voluntarily and justly terminate our contract in the event it becomes damaging to us and others, we are free to be unyoked. How, you do, so how do you know whether it is necessary to unyoke or end an employment arrangement? Well, we'll look at two situations now. Firstly, imagine you are employed in an organization that is generally ethical but you are surrounded by people who do not believe as you do and whose influence is damaging your own faith. Now this discernment may be different for different believers. Some people are able to maintain their faith in the midst of temptations and unbelief all around them and others are not. Temptations such as money, power, sexual morality can be overwhelming in many work environments. And Paul's prohibition would suggest that it's better to remove ourselves from that employment yoke if it's coming between if it's coming between our faith and having a deterioris effect on our Christian life. However, on the other hand, others are able to work in the midst of those temptations as a witness to the truth and love and hope of the gospel. Now usually they need someone outside these temptations of the workplace to help them maintain their faith. And this is where church and home small groups can be very helpful and supportive. And I know that I've experienced this and I know people in Christchurch have found the support of our home groups a way of how we work, you know, how we get alongside people who don't share our faith. Esther in the book of the Old Testament is an interesting example of this situation. God called her into a harem of kings, I can't say this gentleman's name, King Azarus, so that she would be able to serve as protector of her Jewish, of the Jewish people. The temptation of that work were to protect her status and privilege as the, queen's, as the king's chosen queen. She might have succumbed to the temptations of that luxurious life if it wasn't for her uncle Mordecai who checked in with her daily to guide her and eventually summon her to risk her life to save her people. I think we all need Mordecais in our life, people who are alongside us. As I say, I think home groups are very good at this, who are able to kind of check in on us, see how we're doing, see what temptations and challenges we are having in our lives. And sometimes someone who's outside that situation is able to see things slightly a little bit more clarity than we are when we're in the midst of it. 
Now Esther had considerable influence with the king, but was also extremely vulnerable to his displeasure. And this was seen to be a clear case of being unequally yoked. Yet in the end, her yoking to God proved stronger than her yoking to the king, because she was willing to risk her life in order to do God's will. So this suggests that the more willing we are to suffer the consequences of saying no when called upon to violate our beliefs, the tighter the relationship we can take on with unbelievers, yet still remained yoked to Jesus. An important implication is to refrain from being so dependent on a job that we can't afford to quit. If you take on expenses and debts up to or even above your level of income, any job can quickly become a kind of unequal yoke. Adopting a more modest standard of living and building up ample savings if possible may make it easier to remain, remain yoked with Christ if things go bad at work. It's interesting, as I was preparing this, I don't want to give too much away about my sister, but um, I think she's experienced this. My sister isn't a Christian, but she was experienced being unequally yoked at work. She'd been there a very, very long time. She's a hardworking um, lady, and um, yeah, she's, a very important, she's a very important employee to that business. But the pressure and the management style were really having um, a major effect on her mental health. For us, that was incredibly shocking, because Tracy, on the face, is an extremely strong lady and is able to handle herself, and she's, yeah, she's an amazing lady, amazing sister. So um, when we discovered that you know, she, she felt so bad about it that she went to the doctors, that kind of sort of rang alarm bells. What she did was leave her job. She sent an email and said that was it. And I think that Tracy was able to do that because I think she lives a reasonably modest life. She doesn't have massive amounts of debt. And so she was able to step out of that situation. She's now doing, um, she works for an agency, and part of that is another company where she's just doing a lot of data processing. And she just loves it. Intellectually, it's not very challenging, but where she is at the moment, it is like a fresh a breath hair. And um, her working range, you know, she works from two till eight, and she said, I've got the mornings free. Her quality of life has just been transformed. Now, I'm not saying this is what happens to everyone, but she was able to make choices because she has a mortgage, um, but she doesn't have massive amounts of debt. So we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful in the choices we make especially if we want to keep up with the Joneses, and if I think about college, the Khans, when we put a, you know, we can burn a lot of pressure to have all the nice things that everyone else does. Yeah, who are we being yoked with? 
And as I say, Jesus brings life and love and hope and peace. The second example I just want to go through is being, of being unequal yoking is, might be a business partnership with an unbeliever. Now, it would be much more equal partnership in terms of power, but equally risky in terms of ethics. When one partner signs a contract, spends money, buys and sells um, property, or indeed violates the law, the other partner is bound by that action and decision. This kind of partnership could be more like an ox and the donkey, the two partners pulling in opposite directions. Moreover, we know from experience that even partnerships between two believers, two Christians, also includes some risk, given that Christians continue to sin as well. All business partnerships then require wisdom and discernment, and both the ability and the willingness to terminate the partnership if, if necessary, even if doing so would be very costly. So Paul's prohibition in 2 Corinthians should at a minimum serve as a cause for prayer and discernment before entering in a partnership. Now, finally, we must be careful not to turn Paul's words into an us versus them mentality against unbelievers. We cannot judge or condemn unbelievers as inherently unethical because Paul himself refuses to do so. He says, for what have I to do with judging those outside? It is not those who are, is it not those who are inside that you are to judge? God will judge those outside. The truth is that we all need Christ's grace every day to keep us from leading others astray by our own sinfulness. We are not called to judge, but to discern whether our work is fulfilling the purposes and ways of Christ. In summary, being yoked with Jesus is a daily choice, much as putting on the armor of God in Ephesians. Are we going to be yoked with Jesus, or are we going to slip into being yoked with the world? So coming back to the image on the screen, look how close we are to Jesus when we choose to be yoked with him. It's like an act of communion taking place. And by that I mean sharing or exchanging intimate thoughts and feelings, especially on a mental and spiritual level. You know, are we sharing, am I sharing my daily crosses with Jesus? As I said earlier, by his yoke, he trains us to work effectively in his team. Are we going to be yoked with Jesus in our workplaces, wherever that may be? Or are we, or am I, 
going to try and battle through my life in my own strength. That is the challenge. That is certainly the challenge for me. Let's just pray. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father God, we pray for help in your promises. Lord, help us to know what it's like to be yoked with you. That your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And Lord, I do pray for each one of our relationships, in our, particularly in our workplaces, however we define that, wherever you have put us, whatever work you have given us to do. Father, help us to be yoked with you, that you would lead us. Father, you would lead us in those places, that you would help us with the work you have given us to do. And I ask, Lord, that you would just help us to bring you into our workplaces. Don't just leave you at home on church on a Sunday, but, Father, that we would actively bring you in to our daily work. And that we would ask you to lead us, to show us the way. That you would strengthen us when work gets tough. We pray that we would know your closeness in our workplaces. And Lord, help us to be your light in that place. Yeah, help us yeah, to bring you into our workplace to be the light and hope. And that we could minister to those who we work with. Lord, I thank you for all the people you have placed around us, all the non-believers, those who have yet to know you. Father, we pray that you would bless those, our work colleagues, our families, our friends. Father, we pray that you would bless them and that they would come to know you. May I open our eyes, Lord, help us to be sensitive yeah, to your direction, your pulling, and help us to be a blessing to our colleagues, uh, an encouragement 
May we have the courage to pray for our work colleagues, our family and our friends. Help us to, actually Chris said last week, to care enough for our work colleagues and our neighbours, to care enough that we would want to be a blessing to them. So Father, we do that in your strength and we want to do that for your glory. Amen.